This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Well, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Missouri Pioneer Agronomy podcast. We're glad to have you tuning in. It's the week of May 10th. We have yet another opportunity to pick the brains of Missouri Pioneer field agronomists Nick Monig and Jamie Farmer. So with that said, gentlemen, we had a pretty good run the last week in terms of getting some acres planted. Uh, had some weather over the weekend that probably will set us back here a few days as we wait to dry things out. As far as planting progress, Nick, what do things look like in your area of the state? Yeah, Abby, on the east central side, the side that I'm on, we are behind uh, probably a good portion of the Midwest right now. We're probably only 60, 65% corn and probably only 20, 25% beans total done. So we've got a ways to go. Jamie, what about you? Yeah, we're quite a bit farther along on the west central side of the state. So we're all but done on corn for the most part, 95% plus or so there. And then uh, beans had a pretty good lick of beans go in there last week. And so somewhere in that neighborhood of 75, 80% done on beans as well. So pretty impressed considering where we're at first part of May here. Just need a few more dry days to get things wrapped up. So I know that planting is obviously top of mind for a lot of people, but important to also consider right now is our chemistry programs. So we're thinking about post-spring corn, or, or many are, and there's some changing dynamics in that chemistry industry, and, and I just want to touch on what some of those concerns are right now. Jamie, would you mind touching on that? Yeah, I don't think, uh, Abby, it's any stranger to folks that have tried to get anything through a certain supply chain in any industry uh, here in 2021 with COVID and a big boat getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Um, so lots of lots of backup and supply chains, and one that the ag industry is starting to experience is, uh, is some guys being short on the herbicide, crop protection side of things. So seeing some stuff with some of the generic glyphosates, um, also on the uh, glufosinate or the Liberty side of the camp, hearing some shortages out there in the field. You know, some of that may be localized just based on what what folks are able to get within a certain geography based on who they're buying from, who their certain supplier is. And some of that is, is pretty widespread, too, across the Midwest with those two. Another one as well would be on some of the seed treatment side, some of the inoculants out there. And then also on, um, you know, some of those volunteer corn control chemicals, like some of the clethodims, assures, things like that. So thinking about derecho last summer, a lot of wind-blown corn, a lot of corn that was blown down in the I states, particularly Iowa. And so seeing some shortages because of that. So just wanted to make folks aware that the ag industry is not immune to some of these supply chain issues that we're seeing across, across the globe. And uh, for folks that want to make sure, especially if you spray your own ground, get with your retailer, your ag chem supplier, make sure you got that stuff in your shed. Possession's nine-tenths of the law, right? And uh, so if you've got it, even if you've paid for it, but if you don't have possession of it, you might not actually have it. So making sure you got that or start develop some backup plans before you're, you know, going out that day to spray would be crucial. Yeah, good calls there. Definitely appreciate that. Some things to think about getting it in your shed. Uh, in terms of our chemistry programs, Uh, It's pretty important to understand our growth stages, so we are ensuring on-label use, sustainability of those chemistries, and the like. Nick, do you have any pointers for growers in terms of properly growth staging that corn? 
Yeah, Abby, I sure do. Um, as far as right now, you know, posting the corn becomes pretty important with water hemp, cucklebur coming like crazy. And a lot of corn herbicides for post-treatment, they've got a cutoff or a maximum restriction either on leaf development or on height. And so that stuff that's based on leaf development uh, can get a little bit more difficult to determine when that corn starts getting bigger. You know, we start getting to that V4, V5 time frame, especially V6. It gets hard to differentiate by just doing the leaf collar method without going a little bit deeper. And so kind of hard to describe on a podcast, but the very first leaf that comes out is the one that's rounded on the end like your thumb. And after the frost or once that corn starts to get bigger, you'll lose that first leaf. And we, we grow stage corn based on the collar, which is just that white part that develops between the sheath and the actual leaf. Where that develops, we count in the top leaf that has that. You know, we start at the one that looks like your thumb and we count up. And if we have four leaves that have four collars and we're a V4, if we have five that have collars, we're a V5. Really simple, straightforward. The problem is, is when that one that looks like your thumb is gone and you can't find it, how do we determine then? Well, then you actually have to split the stalk open you when you split that stalk at the very base of it there'll be an upside down looking triangle that's all brown there's four nodes in that that means the first four leaves with collars will be connected to that there's a space and then there's a brown line and that brown line is your fifth node if you can find the leaf that traces back to that fifth node that would be v5 and you just count up from there that's how i do it i find the leaf when the corn gets big enough you lose the one that looks like your thumb i split the stalk i find that fifth node which is one above that upside down looking triangle your fifth leaf is connected to that and i count it from there and so i hear it all the time but when people look at corn they say well when it gets that big and it loses the one that looks like your thumb you just add one or you just add two well that's not 100 percent right and jamie's brought up the point before when we had that frost in some cases we destroyed that first leaf so it's gone so we will actually be some people if they do just the leaf collar method without splitting they'll be a leaf stage behind it's a big deal with things like glyphosate, which has got that V8 cutoff or 30 inches. Big thing with things like Realm Q that has a V6 cutoff that you can't go past. So you really need to know how to grow stage that corn. And if you have trouble with that, you let us know or your Pioneer sales professional will be glad to show you how to do that. Yeah, and another place, Nick, I'll just throw in, you can go to pioneer.com and find articles on that. Or you can actually go to YouTube. Plenty of videos uh, on the Pioneer Siege channel on YouTube. Just type in uh, how to grow stage corn and you'll find either ourselves, uh, possible videos from the past on there or other field agronomists from across the Midwest that have likely done a video on that as well. Yeah, good point, Jamie. Um, one thing I will just reiterate, just to add, is that a lot of time people say, well, I sprayed glyphosate really late, you know, waste all corn. I've not seen the issue or sprayed Realm Q late, whatever. There's some, be some serious consequences to that. Every year I see a field that was sprayed late with Roundup. You see the effects by missing kernels. Uh, I've seen the effects of ALS chemistry sprayed too late. It can really pinch the ear. So there can be real consequences by being too late. So you really need to be mindful of that. Absolutely. I think it's also important to just steward the technologies we've got. And a lot of that goes back to the growth stage that we're applying that chemistry at. In addition to that, it also impacts the efficacy and the ability of that chemistry to work the way that it's supposed to. So great call outs there, gentlemen. Definitely appreciate that. I know growth staging is something that many of us struggle with. It's, it's not super straightforward. Um, but with that being said, we touched on the corn, corn chemistry part of things. So we've heard some concerns on planted soybeans that have, haven't been sprayed, but they're emerging. Any watch outs on that, Jamie? Yeah, uh, a couple of good watch outs just to keep in mind, Abby. Great question. Uh, the first thing, 
know what herbicide trait your soybeans are. There's confusion out there in the industry every year, especially as we can you continue to see new traits added to the market, things like that. So, for example, uh, Liberty Link is not is not going to be uh, tolerant to dicamba or tree 4D. Um, you know, if you have a Enlist soybean, then you've got tolerance to glyphosate, uh, Enlist or 2,4-D, and then uh, glufosinate or Liberty. If you've got Extend, just straight dicamba and glyphosate, or if you've got Extend Flex, then that's the addition of glufosinate to that. So dicamba, um, glyphosate, and glufosinate. So basically know your herbicide trait. Make sure you're not getting things mixed up on that, especially communication between the guy that may be spraying it versus, uh, you know, whoever planted it. Make sure we know what's where. And then the second thing um, is just to think about those pre-emergence chemicals. So a lot of the residuals that we use pre in soybeans can definitely cause some pretty significant injury if those soybeans are starting to neck through, uh, starting to crack through there. That that neck, that hypocotyl is, is pretty sensitive and pretty much the pathway between the root system and the cotyledons and, and the true leaves and, and leaves after that. So making sure we don't damage that is important. They, they can take a little bit of damage, but uh, if they're cracking through, you're going to want to watch things like flumioxazin, so like Valor-type products, um, some of the other PPOs like Sulfentrazone, Sharpen, things like that. Those are the ones to watch out the most if, if soybeans are starting to neck through because you can really reduce stand in a hurry. It's not necessarily completely out of the woods as far as not having some residuals to use. There's definitely some products that you can use still if you need to switch if you get to a scenario where your soybeans are cracking through. So products like Dual, um, Corteva's Ever Pre-X would, would still be an option that you could use. Don't want you guys to get away from using residuals. Just want to make sure that you're not using one that's going to be detrimental to that stand establishment. I don't want to uh, belabor the weed conversation here, but it's definitely an important one. I know as I've passed by several fields this week, it's already evident that weeds are going to, to be a problem. I mean, as they always are, but it's one to stay ahead of. When you think about those no-till acres, the weeds are a pretty major concern, especially being that they've gotten several good drinks of water. Uh, how can we stay ahead of those weeds like mare's tail uh, on those acres or, or treat some of the weeds that have already gotten out of control like we're already seeing? Nick, any comments on that? Yeah, Abby, I would say I'm amazed a little bit every year. It just seems like uh, some of the weed carpets and fields get bigger and bigger. It seems like uh, we're not always really quick or have the ability to get on top of them. Um, every year, too, we have places to just get really wet and we just don't dry out enough to take care of them. But obviously gross the size of the weed makes a huge difference so if we can go and spray something um, at a much smaller stage definitely much better for success as far as killing it and mare's tail is no different um, as far as that goes so the best way to kill mare's tail is to control it in the fall so yes. either, either a fall herbicide application uh, would be one of the best if not that an early spring application and by early spring, I don't mean first of May, I mean in April, um, you know, burning down that early. It's starting to bolt now, which just means it's starting to grow upward to create that seed head and it becomes really difficult to kill when it does that. So when it comes to mare's tail control at this point in time, if you haven't controlled it already, I mean, you're kind of getting to that last stage or last chance to, and it is starting to bolt upward to kill it before that treatment gets really expensive. And we're already almost there as far as killing it. So when it comes to rescue mare's tail control, three-way mixtures work well. 
Dr. Bradley at MU did a, a nice study back in 2019 looking at some different cocktails, lots of different cocktails in terms of how to control big, tall mare's tail. What he found, those three-way mixtures work well, things like Roundup and Liberty and Sharpen, or Gramoxone, Syncor, Sharpen, or Enlist plus Liberty, or Enlist plus Liberty plus Roundup. So a lot of those three ways worked well, and then also including a burner like a Liberty or a Sharpen-type product to help increase the burn went a long ways as far as treatment and that mare's tail. Uh, Dicamba Extend to Max, you know, that, that product in Extend Beans works well, but when that mare still gets some size on it, it gets pretty tall. You know, sometimes we got to increase that rate, which kind of increases things like buffers and all that. Enlist One works well. A lot of times people will talk about 240 losing efficacy on mare's tail, but that is when we're talking about just a pint rate of a four pound per gallon product you know with enlist we're basically using a quart rate that looks a lot different especially when we're going to include roundup and liberty with it so i guess all that to say abby uh when we get behind the eight ball like we are right now we have to really start throwing the kitchen sink at mare's tail which is going to require three-way mixtures which is going to require probably liberty syncor that cocktail works well or some kind of three-way with Sharpen, Liberty, Roundup, some kind of cocktail like that, the cocktail gets expensive. So again, just a reminder, take care of it in the fall or take care in the early spring. It will save you a ton of headache and money when it comes this time of year. Right, right. I know a lot of frustration has been had surrounding uh, the weeds getting out of control, especially considering the wind that we've been dealing with. It's hard to stay ahead of that stay ahead of the game and ahead of those weeds when we can't even get into the field because of the winds that we've been having. So uh, all that to say that there are some solutions, as you mentioned, expensive at that, but there are solutions. So get on it when you can, I think is the takeaway from that and get on it early. I will also say kind of back to Jamie's point at the beginning, talking about shortages of things like Liberty. You just think about this. Now, if you have to include Liberty in a burn down, now you have another treatment of Liberty, a product that's tight to get already. And if you don't have enough to include a burn down treatment you just burnt post treatment so something else another reason to be timely controlling weeds absolutely absolutely so moving on from this piece of our conversation we've just got a few minutes left here so in 10 seconds or less it would be great if each of you could share what's top of mind for you right now jamie yeah, I'm just thinking about cold temps this week and some of this corn that's up. Uh, most likely going to see some purple corn out there. So for folks that haven't experienced that before, nothing necessarily to be too concerned about. It can indicate sometimes uh, some nutrient deals with like phosphorus deficiencies and stuff like that. But a majority of time, if you get cool weather like this, especially cool nights, you'll get a sugar buildup. That's what that purple is, is just sugar buildup in that plant. Nothing necessarily get too upset about um, you know, as we warm back up next week, we'll see that stuff go right out of it. Nick? Yeah, you say 10 seconds or less, you know I can't talk that fast. <laughs> the third crop that we tend not to talk much about would be wheat. And I guess I would just say top of mind right now, uh, we're spraying head scab applications this week. Uh, some guys sprayed over the weekend, spraying this week in my geography. We get the flowering, you get that green anther on the side of that head and you have that on half the field, it's time to hit the button when it comes to head scab fungicide, whether Procero, Caramba, or Miravis Ace. One of those is probably, unless your wheat was planted later, probably going to happen this week. So be mindful of that. The other thing, be mindful of the stripe rust tolerance of the variety. So if you're thinking you're not going to put a head scab application on, 
and you have a variety that's weak on stripe rust, you might want to take a look at it. Um, if you're going to put on a treatment, most of these fungicides will work on stripe rust too. So if you're going to put one of those on, it's probably going to cure whatever's there. Just something to be mindful of. Nick's third crop is wheat. Mine, I thought, would be sorghum, but we'll just leave it with wheat today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that pretty well wraps up today's discussion. We've chatted everything from chemistry shortages to growth staging of corn and herbicide cutoffs and rescue mare's tail control. Try to make these discussions as timely as possible. But if there are questions that you've got or topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, shoot me an email at abby, A-B-B-Y, dot Burtz, B-E-R-T-Z at pioneer.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, and your questions. With that, if our listeners are looking to find more podcasts from our team, where can they find them, Nick? Podcast.pioneer.com. Jamie and I are on Twitter. If they are looking for you, Jamie, how can they find you? I'm at Farmer Agronomo. And if you'd like to find me, I am at Abby, A-B-B-Y, underscore Burtz, B-E-R-T-Z. Again, thanks for tuning in. We're glad to have you and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.